Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, July 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We talk Royals with beat writer Lynn Worthy and star columnist Sam Mellinger. Full disclosure, we spoke yesterday, and since then, a couple of news items have dropped that you need to be aware of. Manager Mike Matheny named Danny Duffy the opening day starter. We figured that would be the case, with Brad Keller still out dealing with the coronavirus, and we said as much in our conversation. So, now it's official. The bigger news, catcher Salvador Perez was activated from the injured list in time for Tuesday evening scrimmage. I saw him get a base hit in his first at bat. We spent a good deal of time talking about Salvi. It was in terms of when he returns, and now we know he has. That should bring you up to date. After a break, you'll hear from Royals pitcher Tim Hill. The lefty reliever is a colon cancer survivor, and that made him an obvious candidate to opt out this season because of COVID-19. We know other players around the league elected not to play, but Hill said, no way, he was playing this season. You'll hear from him later in the show. But first, here's Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger talking Royals. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, Blair. Good. What's happening? Hey, not much. So I did some, I did some calculating. I think this is one of Sam's tricks. He goes on to uh, dates between days or days between <laughs> dates. <laughs> and, and, and here, I, I, I did this this morning, and since the Royals last played in um, in March, and it was March 10th. Lynn, remind me if I'm if I'm on this. Uh, they play like a split squad. Uh, they had a split squad deal on March 10th and won a game and lost a game and then they got rained out the next day and then and then baseball got postponed after that so um yeah uh, yeah been, that's uh, that's exactly right you you were saying 10th and i'm like wait a minute but the day i had in my mind was the 12th but that's the day that everything got canceled and the day before we're supposed to be in well, actually i went to goodyear they were supposed to be against the indians and Brady Singer was going to start, and that one got rained out. Singer got pushed back to the next day in relief of Duffy, as, as, as I recall. And Mondesi was in the lineup for the first time, and that game never got played. <laughs> right. So I don't know who else may have gotten rained out that day. Obviously, it was raining in the in the Valley of the Sun, but nobody will have gone longer between games than, than the Royals by the time the regular season begins. So I've got 133 days between – exhibition games for the Royals because now we know they're going to they're going to start on uh, they're going to have an exhibition game on Monday uh so I so that got me wondering you know so what's the usual sort of the time period between the end of a regular season and then the start of the preseason or the exhibition season the next year and I so I did the same thing used the same uh, date to days days to dates 144 days so uh approximately <laughs> So it's pretty much the same. I mean, I mean the the, the time off that um, that the uh, that baseball has will have endured is is not much different from the end of the previous regular season to the beginning of the the next preseason. Um, so it's uh, I guess that's a, it's a long winded way of saying it will have been a long time since baseball has been played by anybody. And but let's concentrate on the Royals. We know now that there is an uh, there's a three-game exhibition schedule. There are um, game two games at Kauffman Stadium next Monday and Tuesday against the Astros, and then on Wednesday they go to St. Louis to play the Cardinals, uh, and then the Royals open up on Friday um, at uh, at Cleveland. So, 
Lynn, it's it's obviously incredibly different than than the the exhibition season that you left behind in Arizona. How how can the Royals manage their roster and their playing time in three exhibition games with uh, you know sixty guys and and wanting to get looks at a lot of people? You know, as as you were talking about the days in between, it just occurred to me that. Um, when we get to the end of this season, it's very possible Mike Matheny will have managed more exhibition uh, in terms of length of time than the actual regular season. <laughs> if, you, if you count from Mar- if you count all this time from March, February, March, and then count all the way through here, that you know he'll have been the manager, and they'll still have technically been an exhibition season. So his exhibition season will be longer than his first regular season. Um, but uh, to to answer your question, that's just a little uh, tangent there. But to uh, <laughs> answer your question. <laughs> Um, the 60 guys, I mean, they won't, I, it's almost as sure they won't have 60 guys for the games the first game they start on Monday. Um, and I think, uh, I asked Mike the other day and even, uh, he said that they'll probably have some guys who, you know, if they want to make sure they get some work and they may do some stuff before the game or after the game, um, probably before the game on Monday, uh, Tuesday's game is an afternoon game. So it might be after the game then because they'll be at home. So they have the luxury to do that. Um, but also, I think there's guys. I mean, there there of that sixty. There's a group of guys who are there mostly for development. I mean, like a you know Bobby Wood Jr. is not going to make the thirty man roster. Um, so I mean, he's not a guy that you necessarily have to see in an exhibition game. I mean, maybe maybe they want to have him in there, you know, because they're probably not going to play all their guys the, f- the full nine innings. They're going to work them up to nine innings by the end of those ex- three exhibition games. Um, but I mean, guys like that, you could you could leave off, and it's not going to hurt anything because they weren't going to make the thirty. So you'll have a smaller group of guys you're going to be actually looking at for the thirty to um, make opening day roster. Um, so that's going to help with it. But also, I think you know they will definitely be you know, probably a few innings for their main guys to start the first game, and they'll build them up to nine innings over the course of the three. Okay. So what what is going to happen with starting pitching? Um, not so much in the exhibition, because as you said, everybody will get innings. But what's going to happen once they get to the, you know, the, the new regular season? Well, it looks like Duffy's probably going to be your opening day starter. And he's still – as far as, you know, exhibition season, fairly stretched out considering everything that's gone on these last couple of months. Um, his last uh, – he pitched last night. We're here on uh, Tuesday now talking, but Monday night he pitched uh, three innings on the field and then another inning in the cage. His last intra-squad outing was about four innings with one on the field and three in the cage. Um, he said during the you know this hiatus, he's tried to stay stretched out to about four innings and you still have another week. So I would suspect that, you know – wouldn't be surprised if he's able to go four or five innings um, in that opener. Now, after that, I'm not sure. It's going to be a play-by-ear, I think, because we don't know if Brad Keller is going to be back. And if he is back, how many innings he'll be able to give you his first time out. Um, Jacob Junis, I think he threw the uh, live BP last week, but I'm not sure how stretched out he is as far as innings. Um, I think Monty, uh, Mike Montgomery, uh think he's around three or four innings worth of, you know, in intra-squad type settings um, that he can throw. And and then after that, you still don't know what the fifth starter is. So um, it's it's going to be a lot of play by ear. I mean, with the 30-man roster, you'll have some extra bullpen guys most likely. So you'll try and make up for it that way. But, yeah, the pitching's up in the air. Aside from the fact that probably Duffy starts opening day, everything after that is going to be, a, you know, mix and match, it sounds like. Right. 
Well, and we know it's, you mentioned Mike Matheny and, and John Sherman, the new owner. They're, I'm sure they're as, as eager as anyone to get this season started. And Sam, I know you've been out there to to Kaufman a few times. I, I haven't been out there yet. I'm hoping to see one of the exhibition games next week. But um, how, how's, how's Matheny been handling this? I, I see some of his Zoom calls and, and um you know he's got the he's got the mask on until he talks, and which is which is great optics, I think. And he's then he then he then you see it around his neck, but um, it, it seems to me we talked about this during spring training, and it appears to be true now that not many bad moves for Mike Matheny so far. Yeah, I mean he's um, he's yet to pull a pitcher, right, or <laughs> uh, <laughs> call for a hit and run or whatever, but. Um, my sense from him, and I, I talked to him for quite a long time, um, back when you could get on a plane and go talk to somebody face-to-face uh, in spring training, and I'm hoping to get some more time with him this week for, for I want to say column, but it's basically a profile of him and sort of how he's changed um, since his days in St. Louis. And my, Look, man, my, my sense from him so far, and it can't be emphasized enough that you know the bullets have not started flying yet, but uh, it seems like he has taken everything exactly the way that you would want, that he's um, taken an honest sort of self-evaluation of, of who he is and who he became in St. Louis, um, try to figure out what worked and keep that, try to figure out what didn't, what caused conflict, um, and fix that. And from everything I can tell, and, you know, Lynn, Lynn's out there a lot more than I am, obviously, but from everything that I can tell, um, he is earnest, he is honest, he's genuine, um, he's sincere, he, 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 he treats these guys like men. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have high, expecta- high, excuse me, high expectations for them, because he does. But look, man, it's, it's, it was always very easy to see why Dayton Moore specifically uh, was attracted to Mike Matheny specifically. Those guys have just <laughs> stunningly similar worldviews in, in a lot of ways. Um, but from what I can tell in surprise and, and now in this, you know, summer camp restart, um, you know, he's been what the Royals were, were hoping that what, what they were expecting. You know, he, he relates so well to players. It seems that he, he actually got the COVID, you know, he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had his, he had his own bout back in, yeah. back in May. Um, and, uh, and of course the Royals have had their, their uh, experience with this now up to I think four players perhaps nobody's come back yet from from uh, those that have been uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen and that's going to play into things uh, next week. Any do we have any idea, Lynn, about the return of of any of the players that have been out with COVID? Not yet. I mean, I think that there was some sense that maybe Valoria might be getting close, and he's not technically. Well, he's he's one of the guys. I mean, like, so you say four guys. There's four guys that they've announced had positive tests. Now there's yeah. been some other guys, you know, who put on the um, on the IL with you know undisclosed injury. And you remember now, there's a whole um, the whole situation is where you know they they've got to get clearance from the guy to actually announce a positive test and and right. things like that and get you know HIPAA laws and all that sort of stuff. So um, so Valoria, you know, there was never an injury for Valoria, but he went on the 10 day DL on the fo- on the fourth. So he's around that point where at least in theory he could come off. Um, I think he was uh, there was 
somebody noticed that he was listed on the lineup card yesterday, even though he was never available yesterday, and they haven't made a roster move as of a couple minutes ago um, to add him or activate him yet. So um, I would think that he would be one that you might start seeing soon. And Salvador Perez, um, you know, was asymptomatic as far as we know. So um, he's got to, you know, have 72 hours, no symptoms, got to pass two um, tests in the 24-hour period. Um, so, I mean, it, they're hopeful is the word they keep using that they get some guys back here soon because um, they've got, you know, three catchers on their 40-man roster, and all three of them are uh, on the IL right now with uh, with the positive tests for Cam Gallagher over the weekend and uh, Salvador Perez at the beginning of the camp and then Gloria with the undisclosed injury. So um, they still have six catchers that they're in camp with them right now that they can use, but um, there's not likely – I mean, they're not likely to have a guy like MJ Melendez who hasn't played above high A – actually be on the 30 man when the season starts. So they need to start getting some guys back and start getting them ready for the regular season to start. Yeah. And it seems like it's been a while for Salvi, hasn't it? Um, he would, he would seem that he would be close to returning um, just, just because of the dates. Uh, he was, I think he was the first Royals player, I believe to, to announce that he had uh, the COVID. Yeah. He was the first announced, but I think technically by like the day they put him on the IL, it's the same day. Maybe it's a day before, but I think it's the same day as Valoria. And then, um, you know, Matt Reynolds is an infielder, is another guy who went on the IL with undisclosed, like no injury given. And that, that was all the same day. So some of these guys could be, you know, looking to come back in the next couple of days here. We just don't know. And it depends on the medical staff and how things progress with, you know, uh, I mean, the ones that we know have COVID, how it progresses with the, with the tests and everything. And the other guys were, you know, it would be speculation, but, you know, Assuming that it's something similar, it's, again, uh, how things progress and how they get through their medical procedures. You know, I don't mean to be, you know, flip about this, but Salvador, we talked about when he was, you know, catching 145, 450 games a year, we always talked about the, you know, his body's just going to break down. But am I being insensitive, Sam, to say that the fact that he didn't play last year because of the, the, the Tommy John surgery and it will have been, you know, for reasons he can't control, you know, it will have been, you know, an additional X number of months before he appears in a game that maybe his body, um, he, he could tack on a couple years uh, as, as a catcher. I know the Royals have had other thoughts with him at different positions, but I, I don't know. I, it just seems like his, he, he's getting hit the reset button in a way that maybe others at his position haven't over the years. Yeah, 100%. I, I believe that. And, you know, more importantly, I think the Royals believe it. it. It's not so simple that it's just you get an extra day for every day you're not catching, right? Like, because he's still getting older, like we all are, um, and hope to continue getting older for many years <laughs> yeah. to come, right? But uh, but I do think that particularly for him and particularly for that position that this, this kind of thing matters. Um, he was never, just because of how big he is, uh, and some other factors. He was never going to be a guy that's like Carlton Fisk and like, you know, behind the plate in his 40s or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's an extra season. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, a few more games than he otherwise would catch next year or the year after or whatever. Um, it, it, it's a touchy subject. And this is something that the Royals have kind of been internally preparing for for years because uh, Sal loves to catch. Uh, yeah. And that is you know, not just his identity, you know, sort of personally. And I think the Royals believe that's where a lot of his 
energy comes from, and that energy is is one of his more valuable traits. Um, but it's also where a lot of his value comes from, if we're honest. You know, I mean, if you look at his numbers, he'll hit some home runs. But if you look at his on base and batting average, things like that, um, you know, that that plays a lot better when you're a catcher than it does when you're a first baseman. So um, it's it's kind of a delicate balance, and uh, some of this depends on you know some of these guys that we've been talking about, particularly MJ Melendez, if he can get that bat going. Uh, you know, that, that may or may not affect Salvi's clock as well. So, um, no, I absolutely believe like, look, like you, you never want to get hurt <laughs> and, and obviously nobody, um, is happy about the situation we're in now, but some, some time off for Sal, man, that's, uh, that's not going to be a bad thing in the long term. I don't think. Hey, you know, Sam, to go along with that idea of it being part of his identity, um, you know, in the off season, I think, you know, even Jim Murphy was Dayton and Matheny both had mentioned the idea that, you know, he might get a little time at first base this year yeah. as they ease him in and everything. And so, of course, the first time we talked to Salvi in Arizona, that gets mentioned in Salvi's response, because, I mean, I think it was just sort of like a given. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. He's going to play a little bit of first base, get some time in there. So we ask him and he's like. I'm catcher. He's like, I prepare to catch 162 <laughs> games. I'm not a first baseman. <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't so much a, like, you know, anything against the, you know, with the front office. I think it was just, you know, we talk again, going to the idea of identity. He's like, I'm a catcher. Like this this first base stuff. He's like, I don't know who you're trying to put at first base, <laughs> but yeah. I'm a catcher. So Yeah, it was funny. I had a, a similar conversation with him in Surprise in again, this is back when we thought it was going to be a 162-game season, but um, I remember asking him, you know, how many games realistically do you think you, you'll you play a catcher? And he says 162. And I kind of look at him like, come on. <laughs> you know, and he goes, okay, fine. And it was, I think his next answer was like 140 or something else, which is still not realistic, but uh, it, it, it does go to show you kind of have to pull him off. And, th- and, th- and this is another one of the many things um, on the list with Mike Matheny that'll be interesting to, to monitor, maybe not so much over a 60 game season, but next year when hopefully we're, we're back to 162. But remember how many times Ned Yost would be like, yeah, we're giving Sal a day off. And then it turns out like Sal's in the lineup. Um, yeah. It was just yeah. like, Sal was just like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm catching. It was like, okay, sorry. Uh, do as you were. And I, I'm just, I'm wondering how that's going to go with Matheny. Another obviously former catcher, uh, knows the position just like Ned did. But I'm just wondering if that part of it is handled a little bit differently with Mike than it was with Ned. You know, as a first baseman or, or a DH, you know, he, with his numbers, his career numbers, um, his averages, he's not an all-star player. As a catcher with his numbers, his offensive numbers, he is an all-star player. Right. And he's been an all-star the last six seasons that he's been healthy. So it started in 13 and has been an all-star the, the next six seasons. And I, I know that when the Royals were going through their 14 and 15 success, and, and, and then the, the couple years after where they were 500, I was always wondering, okay, who, who, who among these players could possibly you know, be, a, be a Hall of Famer? And it's not, you know, it's, it's just, you know, they're not many, if any, right? I mean, they're just, who, who's, who's going to end up having that career that could end up landing them in the Hall of Fame, Lorenzo Cain, Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakis, Alex Gordon. It just doesn't seem like any, you know, any of those guys, they, they've all had above average careers to this point, but not, you wouldn't call them Hall of Famers. Right. I think Sal Perez is the only one who has a chance at that. But to me, his only chance is to be almost a lifelong catcher who's a perennial all-star 
who averages 25 home runs and you know 90 90 RBIs a year and and is the gold glover that he is on an annual basis and I don't know if that's important to him but uh, th- at least that's my feeling about him as a you know in, in his career that's absolutely right no yeah I can couldn't agree with that more I mean he's 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 the only one with a chance um, just because I mean the guys who were good I mean Wade Davis just doesn't have the longevity and and it's hard to to make it as a reliever um same thing with Kane you know I mean th- there's just None of those guys sort of stack up when you think about Hall of Fame. I mean, Royals Hall of Fame, that <laughs> Royals Hall yeah. of Fame is going to be stock loaded <laughs> with right. these guys. Uh, it, it's going to be packed. But um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you just said. His only chance is to continue as a catcher for 10 more years, I would think, at least at this level. And that's, uh, I, I would not bet on that. Yeah, it might, it might take that. He's at 141 career homers, 503 career RBIs. Uh, I mentioned like 90. He, he hasn't reached 90 in his career. Yeah, He might need a couple of good pop years at the bat, you know, some power years. Uh, but he'll always have, you know, MVP of the World Series. Yeah. And, um, and, and other – I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. But he is um, – uh, I don't know. I, I think he's a royal for life. I think he's on the Alex Gordon track, but we don't even know about that either. So we'll see. Yeah. And I always think maybe this is something that can go without being said, but I always think like when we talk about who's a Hall of Famer and who's not, the, the guys that we say aren't, <laughs> that's not an insult. No, <laughs> right? no, I mean, no. Salvador Perez is going to retire having a better career than 90% of the people that ever reached that level. Uh, but there, there's just, there's a huge difference between you know, Royals Hall of Fame and, and, uh, in the, you know, Cooperstown. Right. And there's only one full-time Royal that's in Cooperstown. So, that's right. uh, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, Lynn, we're going to hear from Tim Hill here in a moment, the, the left-handed relief pitcher. You got to talk with him and be on a zoom call with him on, uh, on Monday. What were some of the highlights of that conversation? Oh, just, I mean, the, the big thing first off was just his decision to, you know, not to opt out. Cause he's a guy who's a, you know, a cancer survivor who, you know, puts him at a higher risk when we start talking about COVID and everything that's going on across the nation. And, you know, and you see a lot of guys opting out. I think we've talked about on past podcasts about guys opting out this season. And um, he never really gave much thought to it. And then we asked him again last night and he said he feels, you know, pretty good about the decision he's made. And he feels like the Royals are doing everything that they can do to keep him safe. And, you know, there's, Obviously, I mean, I think you expect to be a little bit of, um, you know, nervousness when you see guys around you testing positive as, as they've had this year. Um, but he still feels like he's, you know, he's 100 percent all in on uh, being there this season, despite, you know, um, the potential ramifications if he were to be one of these guys to get sick. Yeah, he's had he's definitely had his health challenges over the years. And um, I, I, I thought it was I got to hear a little bit of it. I, I thought that was interesting that he, you know, he is um, he's all in on this. And and the Royals, we, we said it last week on the podcast and it bears repeating that the Royals did not have a player who decided to opt out this season. Not a, not a, not a ton of guys did, but but a few and some big names certainly did. And yeah. uh, but 
but but no no Royals. Uh, no, which is no, well, I mean, there was there was the the one you know Rusty is not going to be on the field this year. Um, right. I'm not sure if we I can't remember if we mentioned that in the podcast. We might not have, but Rusty Koontz won't be coaching first base this year just because you know at the he's a guy who's 65 years old, and um, my understanding is it had more to do with uh, you know uh, the the idea of traveling to all these different cities and not being able to control that environment as much as you know what they can do here in Kansas City, and it just made it a little bit too much of a risk. So he's going to be with the organization sort of like he was in the past as an advisor and be watching a lot of the uh, workouts with the group who's, um, you know, going to be at the ultimate site, but uh, he's just not going to be coaching first base for this year. The idea would be, or the hope is that he'll be able to get, come back, you know, next year, but they were going to, you know, wait and see on that. And there's no getting out of baseball for Rusty Coons. He's, he's tried this before. He ain't getting out of baseball. <laughs> it's just, it is comical, man. That guy has tried to retire every year since like 2013. <laughs> And he's announced it a few times. Nope, I'm retiring. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, you're not, Rusty. Stop it. <laughs> we should have a big press conference one day. <laughs> so, all right. Hey, great catching up with uh, with both you guys, and we'll do it again soon. All right, Blair. All right, thanks. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, Tim, uh, uh, you and I spoke, you know, a while back about your decision not to opt out. It's been, uh, whatever, a week and a half uh, of camp. I, I'm assuming you obviously still feel that was the right decision. Can you just talk about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still stick by my decision, obviously. Um, there's been some concerns with just, like, people testing positive and stuff like that, but I still feel that I made the right decision and I'm not really worried about it. How do you feel uh, you're pitching this camp so far? Um, it seems like you're getting the ball down for the most part. You left one up today to whip, but uh, how do you think it's going? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I feel strong, um, confident in my pitches. Can't complain. Is there anything else you're still trying to work on? Um, just you know, more consistency with the slider, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Hey, Tim, uh, going back to what Flanny had asked about the, uh, you know, just the decision to come in, um, have the measures since you've been here made you any more comfortable? I mean, I know they've done a whole lot. Is I mean, and obviously, again, with the positive tips. I mean, how have you felt like in terms of your comfort level as this has gone along? Well, as far as like the procedures that the Royals are taking, um, I think it's made me feel a little more comfortable just knowing that they're going to great lengths to protect us because I do feel like they are. Some of it seems a little bit over the top, like when you first look at it, but then when, you know, obviously when you start seeing like people testing positive, you're like, okay, maybe this is necessary. So yeah, I think they're doing a great job. And I think 
you know, as good of a job as they can do. Everybody's kind of just it's on the fly and um, kind of just learning as we go, it seems like. But I feel like the what they have put forth has been pretty good. How um, how would you say things have run? I mean, like this is obviously a very different setting for spring training, but especially with pitchers, I think there's 32 of you guys were in that 60 pool that came out here. Um, it seems like they've really tried to work it out where you guys are getting the amount of work you need between the cage and the field and everything. You feel like it's been similar other than the setting to a regular spring training as far as how much work you've been able to get? Well, as far as the workload goes, yeah, I would say it's pretty similar. Um, it's just, it's weird. It's interesting because we're coming in staggered and like at any given time you look around in the locker, there might be three, four guys in there. So it's, it's a little, it's a little eerie, I guess you could say, like everything seems kind of empty. It's just, it's very different, but as far as getting your work in, like, I mean, I, I, I haven't felt cheated in that respect. So the workload is good. It's just very different as far as how we go about it, which is just, you know, it takes some getting used to, but no complaints or anything like that. How, how would you say, um, how, how well did you think you were able to keep things up during this, you know, three and a half months between Arizona and here? I mean, um, were you able to do pretty much everything that you felt like you needed to do coming into camp? Did you feel pretty good about where you were at? Yeah, I think I was one of the fortunate ones that actually had access to facilities and um, just constant. I mean, I was in Arizona before this, and then I came out here a little early. So I did have access to the facilities and stuff like that, which was really nice. Um, so as far as, like, personally, like, having training and all that, having a catcher, like, catch partner, stuff like that, I was, I was one of the lucky ones. So I feel pretty good about that. So you mean the team facility in Arizona? Like, I mean, I know they kept the team facility closed, but like you're, you're able to use the fields and everything. Is that, you mean that's where you were at? Not, not the fields. They weren't letting us use the fields. But like, you know, we're in an area like that. You, It's just Arizona's obviously got a lot of baseball players. You know what I mean? Thanks. Mm -hmm. hey, Tim, Tim you've on. been back for a week and a half. I mean, how fun has it been to be with the guys? Um, just in these first couple of weeks, be around the guys. How fun has it been for you? It's, it's been really nice. Um, so it's like, I think it was yesterday, we had like a decent little PFP group and uh, you see a couple of guys, like, because they have us so staggered. A lot, a lot of times you go a while without seeing familiar faces, stuff like that. You get stuck with your same group, same group. So yesterday, you know, a lot of us, a couple of us were mixed in and you see them walking by just for a second. And it's like, oh, hey, how's it going? So it's nice, nice in that respect. Thanks, Tim. Yep. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Savannah Smith, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to stories about the Royals can be found in the show notes and always on the True Blue app. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one. 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra with the E-Edition. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com 
KansasCity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.